So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 9, Episode 10 of 90 Day Fiance. In this episode, Emily makes sure she's going to have the ring that she wants, Bilal brings up the prenup at the worst possible moment, Kara's friend Tim questions how long her relationship with Guillermo can last, Jabri gets some bad news from his parents about the wedding, Patrick doesn't understand decorating their home at all, and Benny gets in his first MMA fight. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Miss Bro. Hello, Miss H. Happy Juneteenth weekend. Yes, which apparently you enjoyed quite a bit. Yes, which is the reason why we didn't release yesterday is because I was in no position to be recording. <laughs> no state for recording. No fit state. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be the new early 4th of July. Maybe. I don't know. I was in I was in New York um, for everything and it was didn't seem like there was anything extra or weird going into New York except all the buildings were colored red, black, and green. Okay. Which is, I guess, something, but it wasn't like there were any kind of festivities. I don't know. It definitely is a it's a weird, you know, it's not Memorial Day. We already kind of have Memorial Day to kick off the summer. We have that 4th of July in the middle of the summer. So I don't know where it's, I don't know where it's going to fall. But it's definitely weird because I was actually off still because we're still in school. Yeah, well, I was going to say the reason why I kind of see it as the new 4th of July is simply because people like the summertime. They like having a day off in the summertime. And so it's going to be like another uh, chance to just hang out with everyone. I do feel like some people will kind of lose its meaning a little bit um, just sure. because they're like, yeah, holiday in the summer. But cook out. Time to cook out. Yeah, right. right. But I do think it will be. Uh, something people look forward to. Uh, something people will not be looking forward to is one of Bilal's little romantic dates. So uh, Bilal and Shida are in Atlanta visiting his sister Nefertari so she can help with wedding planning. Shida is feeling like their relationship needs some work right now. Bilal is planning on going to Juma while Shida and Nefertari go wedding dress shopping, your favorite Mr. O. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shida appreciates her relationship with Nefertari and thinks of her as a big sister. They go wedding dress shopping and Shida gets emotional trying on dresses because she wishes her mom could physically be there. Shida brings up her frustrations with Bilal with Nefertari um, about Bilal being a nag and lecturing her. Nefertari says she's never seen that side of him before. Shida then brings up the no kids issue and says that that's ultimately a deal breaker. Nefertari thinks that Bilal actually does want kids, but maybe he's not seeing eye to eye with her on the timeline. Shida also thinks that Bilal is just looking out for himself, especially after his divorce. Nefertari thinks that Bilal might still have trust issues and he's really just trying to protect his family. Nefertari is still suspicious of Shida's previously broken engagements. She had two. Shida wants to keep it light since wedding dress shopping is supposed to be a joyous occasion. Later, Bilal's uh, self-proclaimed Mr. Romantic strikes again as he takes Shida on a Ferris wheel ride. She's a little scared and nervous, which Bilal thinks is the best time to bring up the prenup. He shows her on his phone the prenup that's been drawn up. 
Shida says that they had talked about it before she came and she was very adamant about not having one. And she's upset that he had one drawn up anyway. Bilal says that he was trying to take her mind off the heights and admits that, well, maybe that wasn't the best time to bring it up. Bilal defends his actions, saying that they're just putting the terms of their marriage in writing, which is what their religion supports. Shida thinks that the prenup makes the relationship seem so transactional, which takes the love out of it, so she isn't sure what to do. After they get off the Ferris wheel, Mr. Romance has another surprise, which is a carriage ride. He praises himself for his thoughtfulness, but Shida is still quiet because of the prenup. She asks to see it again. Shida asks what happens if they have children. Shida thinks that Bilal is just looking out for himself and not for her or their future kids. Shida knows he's just trying not to offend her, but she feels like he just doesn't trust her. Bilal says he trusts her, but his perspective is different now that he's older. He wants to protect his stuff. Shida thinks that they don't need a prenup. Bilal says if they get divorced, would she want to take his stuff? And she's quiet and doesn't really answer. Bilal says he can't see themselves getting married if she just doesn't sign this. Okay, so why do you think they continued this relationship if Shida had made it very clear before that she was not into this prenup idea? And then Bilal said, you know, he went forward with it anyway. I, I just think he... Th- just like with the kids' conversation, he's just confident that he's going to be able to get his way. Like, yeah. I'll just explain it to her in really condescending language, and then she'll do what I want. Like, and she'll do my thing. Like, she just, the reason she disagrees with me is because she just doesn't understand. Right. And that's a super common thing. Like, if I could just explain to them my perspective, they would agree with me. Because who wouldn't agree with me given my perspective, right? That's a right. It's a super common thing you see among a lot of people. It's like, wait, 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 but you didn't give me a chance to explain because once I explain, you'll get it. Yeah, I definitely think there's some of that. But I also wonder what the heck is going on that Nefertari is saying like, I've never seen him be condescending a nag and lecturing other people before. It's like, Really? Yeah, I, when he, it goes with what he said. I've never fought with anybody like this before. And it's like, really? Like, is it just because, isn't Nefertari his older sister? Yes. Is it like, maybe it's, you know, maybe he just hasn't given her that. Maybe it's, he kind of has, it wouldn't shock me to find if he had like this really strict idea of some sort of hierarchy of people you can lecture versus people mm-hmm. you can't. And that is very, age-oriented. Like, you cannot lecture older people in your family. Younger people right. in your family have to take your lectures. So that's who gets it all. Right. but Or, or like, roles, so I can see that. But how has she never observed him speaking like that with his family? With his children, right? He, that's who he talks to his kids. Yeah. Uh, yep. His kids, his ex-wife. It seems to me that that's kind of default mode for Bilal is, like, fatherly, I know everything, I am going to be the teacher for all, you know, just uh, – and just the way he talks to people, too. It's just really condescending. Right, right. I mean, it, and a part of it is definitely the way he's definitely putting it on for the camera, mm-hmm. which is probably a little bit more and a little bit different than what um, Nefertari would have seen. But yeah, that, that's the whole thing. He has an ex-wife and she clearly had complaints about the dude, right? Sure. Like there were clearly things that weren't there. And I don't know that it was all – this it can't all be new stuff like they're hearing about him, right? It can't be. 
Yeah, which is why it confuses me that now we have two very clear, at least this is what they're saying, deal breakers. You know, uh, Bilal is saying this prenup is a deal breaker if you don't sign this. And Shida is saying, hey, if you don't want to have kids, this is a deal breaker. How have they made it this far without communicating that this is a deal breaker? And I'm going to assume that they've had these conversations before they even got engaged. You know, it sounds like Bilal has already had this conversation about a prenup before. It sounds like Shida's had this conversation about kids before. How do they know where the other person stands and they want to just continue on anyway? I mean, yeah, but we've seen that before. People just like put it on the back burner and they're like, if we kind of have the, you know, if we just don't think about it for a while, it'll just go away. Like I won't have to deal with it later. And then you keep dealing with it later and keep dealing with it later and keep dealing with it later, thinking that at some point, and it's an immature way to deal with it. Sure. That's how teenagers deal with things. God, this project sucks. I'll just do it later. I'm not going to do it now. Uh, and all of a sudden it comes back at them because that's what, that's what happens. It's not going to go away. We both know it's not going to go away. Right. Well, the one thing I will say in, uh, Bilal's defense, and I will usually choose not to defend him, but I mean, at least with the kids thing, you know, he said that he didn't really want to have kids and she seemed to be on board and she's the one who changed her mind. So we had found out, you know, a couple episodes ago that she was the one who originally said, oh, sure, I'm okay with not having kids. And now it's like, wait, what? Yeah, but I think that changed at some point before now. I don't think he's surprised by it now. I think she said it long ago and then also at some intermediate time said, you know what? I changed my mind. I do need kids. And he was like, oh, okay, we'll talk about that later. And it's just – I don't know. It, it's it. The other thing too is it seems like, again, he's kind of missing his opportunities. He's – the way he said it, the way he tried to frame it was, oh, we're just writing down – our, our intentions. It's part of our, our religious plan. Mm -hmm. But here's a fully completed one that I already did that you had no input on. Right. Like, <laughs> that seems crazy. It's like the part of it was like, let's work on a prenup together because we both need things out of this relationship. And we both have things that we want and both have things that we don't want. Um, you know, when things go wrong, then we should put those in writing for both of us instead of him just being like, I got to protect my shit. So... Here's the fully formed document that you must sign or I won't marry you. Yeah, I, I also agree that that's the way to smooth things over or at least transition into it by what do, what would you want in an agreement? And I thought it was really funny, too, because I feel that they have talked about this before and that Bilal had specifically called it a prenup. And so because of that, he was very careful with his words. He very much tried to avoid calling it a prenup at all costs. He was like calling it an agreement, an arrangement, a contract, everything but a prenup. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so the other question I have about Bilal is why does every single, every single one of his romantic or family, whatever activities he picks involves a vehicle somehow. Yeah, I know. Like right? it's either a boat or a carriage or scooters or a Ferris wheel. Like, can't this dude just take her out to a nice dinner? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, because he's always like sitting side by side with her. And right. I, yeah. Yeah, and that's true because you're right. The, because he chooses all these activities, they never like face each other, which yeah. is definitely one of those things that people would read a lot into that you're like, 
how you romantically involved with this person that you never are face to face with and you purposely choose activities as romantic things that you don't get to be face to face. I also take issue with his Mr. Romance. If you were Mr. Romance, you would not be bringing up this heavy conversation in the middle of your romantic outing. You would also not take your partner who is afraid of heights onto a right. glass bottom Ferris wheel. Like yeah. just because it's what's romantic for one is not romantic for all. Right. right? And right. Mr. Romance should understand what his partner specifically wants out of romance. Yeah. Yeah. Not being terrified. I mean, he is not the only one guilty of this. I can think of Colt and Larissa, how he decides, oh, I think it's romantic being yes. at a big height and uh, proposing. And she was terrified out of her mind the entire time. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely a lot of people, but that's below the whole time. Like, yeah. oh, I would like this. Therefore, we do it. Yeah. Pranks and nonsense. All right. So speaking of other things that some people – or more into than others. Let's talk about Emily and Kobe, specifically about how they're on their way to Rock City. Gosh. Which is a chance to get, you know, some time in together since Emily's been so busy with what she describes as her work, planning the wedding. Oh, gosh. And spending somebody else's money, apparently. So Kobe thinks that they need some money to move out. So maybe they should take some of this money that mom and dad are giving them and use it to that purpose and not on a big wedding. But she very quickly shoots that down. Because Emily wants everything to be perfect. So Kobe is also glad to get out of the house and is pretty psyched to see Rock City because it sounds pretty awesome. Rocks, city, Rock City. Oh, yeah. He's got like the devil horns ready to go. But it's just a field with a lot of big rocks in it. And he just doesn't get it. He's like, is this it? She's like, no, there's a whole field full of rocks. And he was like, oh. <laughs> You mean literal <laughs> rock city? <laughs> yes, it is just a bunch of rocks in a large field. So he plays, he tries to play along for Emily's sake. So next morning, it's time for wedding dress shopping. So we have sister, um, mom, and grandma. So Emily's really into the dress with pockets. And all the while, mom, Lisa's, Lisa, her mom, thinks she, she should be more worried about the relationship with Kobe than planning the actual wedding. So then they say reject dress one and dress two comes out and it has fewer pockets but way more boob. So, of course, that's the one she wants to go with. So they ask about Kobe and Emily's something blah, 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 blah and something about if he gets me a ring, which confuses everybody because they're already engaged and he gave her a ring in China. But she said that was just a dirty street ring and she wants a nice blingy ring. And then she says my favorite line of the episode, I think. Because she just says, she's not high maintenance. She just wants very specific things and won't settle for less, which is the exact definition of what high maintenance is. Um, so anyway, if, um, if, but to make sure she won't have to settle for less, she's already bought a ring for herself that she's going to put on if Kobe's ring doesn't isn't up to snuff. Gosh. Um, so everybody else is just kind of stunned in silence, like you bought yourself a ring. And <sighs> so at least her sister Madeline says she feels sorry for Kobe because this is a lot to try to live up to. Um, so I'm going to start with that ring, like on a scale of crazy and high maintenance, like where where is that buying yourself a ring? 
That is so ridiculous. I mean, just even logistically, it makes no sense to me. She just borrowed money for this wedding. <sighs> yeah, there's that, which is just like insulting to her parents, right? Yes. It's like, oh, I'm going to spend this money on myself, but I'm going to ask you to pay for my wedding. The other thing that just like I, I don't understand the logistics of this is she has already, you can tell, fallen in love with this ring. Yes. She keeps on saying it. I love this ring. I love this ring. So it's just like. If he buys her another ring, it's never going to be as good as one that she picked out specifically for herself because she loves it. So logistically, I don't understand. Like he's you're setting him up for failure already. She's going to yeah. be unhappy with whatever you get her because it's not as nice as the ring you already got. And then on top of that, let's say he does follow through uh, and get you a ring. It's like now you have two rings. What are you going to do with the second one? Or the first one, for that matter. What are you going to do with the one? You know how pissed I would be if, like, I bought somebody a, a nice engagement ring, right? Mm -hmm. He's not trying to cheap out. It's not, this isn't like one of those situations where, you know, they find, like, you know, a $3,000 ring and the other person's like, what can I get for seven fifty? Right? Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't that situation. But it's, like... He's going to buy her something. He says he, he – you know, we kind of see in the preview. He says he's talking about spending half – like a quarter of the half of the money. So he's buying a yeah. decent ring. And it's still going to be like, ooh, nice ring. But – and then have her wear the other one that she bought herself all yeah. the time instead yeah. of that one. Like that is not – Good. No. That's not that's a red flag for the relationship. Yes. It just doesn't make any logistic sense. Now, to me, what would make more logistic sense is if she was to buy a cheap ring, like just costume jewelry ring that mm -hmm. looks like an engagement ring. She didn't spend all that much money on it. And she says, Okay, well, this one looks nicer than the ring you got me. I want to encourage you to get me a real diamond because I mean, like people do that all the time for things like, you know, um, you know, if they're uh, pregnant or something and their uh, fingers get too big, oh, they'll uh -huh. buy like sure. costume jewelry, like fake engagement ring or something like that, or just something for show that they don't really care about if something were to happen to it. But it makes no sense to me. Like the whole point of an engagement ring is the sentimental value behind it. Yes, right. it's supposed to be a ring that you love because it came from the person that you love. Yeah. And they gave you <laughs> gave it to you as like a symbol of their commitment and they love you, right? Not be, but she she doesn't think of it like that. It's a no. material good for her. And she's like, I want the I want the one that looks pretty, right? It's the prettier looking one. But yeah, even then it's like if that means so much to you, mm -hmm. then buy it together. And just right. you know, have him surprise you when he gives it to you. Like yeah. get what you want. If you want what you want that bad, just you can manage that and still have it be something that can be have sentimental value. Yeah. And I think she would be the kind of person that would be fine with that. But she's also the kind of person that just comes across to me as someone who really cares about how it looks to other people. Right. Mm. She doesn't want this cheap little speck of a diamond from China because – you know, she's just like, well, it doesn't look good. When I tell my friends, she can't tell, like, the fun engagement story. You know, it's like no one wants to tell that story about, 
oh, I picked out my own ring and then, you know, he surprised me with it later. Right. So it's I, it's just for looks. All of this is just for looks. She doesn't want a little ring. She for looks for other people. When she tells other people, it's like she wants to show them something nice. I, yeah, I guess that's fair. But I just feel like there's also other ways to do it because she oh, could yeah, totally sure. do your costume jewelry way and be like, I really like the way this looks. <laughs> this is the kind of ring I would really like to have. Yeah. Right? And then have, conveniently leave it around so he can like take it to the jewelry store and be like, uh, what do you have that looks like this one? <laughs> right. Help me out here. Oh, but goodness. I mean, it, but it, you can see the difference though because like – what he does when he's unimpressed is he plays along, like at Rock City, like right. I know that was super sweet because he was just like, "This is what Americans do. Like this is a thing." But he acted enthusiastic about it. He did, and I was like, and I, I also wanted to be like, "No, this is not what Americans do. No, this, I know. No, this is this would not if he go to one of the coasts. This would not even." Even you don't have to go too far, right? You're not that far from Kansas City. You're not that far from Texas, Chicago. Like, there's much more interesting things, even in their vicinity, than Rock City. Yeah, I agree with him, though. Who's looking at rocks? That was like the most bizarre. When I first heard Rock City, I thought they meant like rock and roll, like it was some kind of like. Yeah, or I thought there would be like, I thought it would be like maybe cliffs or stuff and canyons and like cool, like something neat to look at that just strikes me as you know when rock city was cool rock city was cool when everybody got drunk um in high school and hung out at the rocks and like climbed them and <laughs> was just everybody was just shit-faced having a party there that was probably fun at rock city like just going to see rocks not as much fun yeah yeah i just don't get it either and i grew up in a city where we had bottle city <laughs> so i mean i get it that these things are around you know and that people like actually like find them interesting but i i don't know like that shouldn't be your selling point of why y'all are there right right i, I just yeah they could have found something more interesting to do i guess yeah <laughs> yeah all right speaking of uh maybe un being unimpressed with your living situation uh let's talk about jabri and miona so there's funky cowboy music playing so it must be time for jabri and miona Jabri is back from Chicago and meeting up with his parents for coffee and a talk. They're solemn and unsmiling when Jabri arrives, and Jabri already can tell this conversation's going to be intense. Jabri tells them that they've decided on a beach wedding, and Brian, his stepdad, points out that they were planning on a prairie wedding somewhere near the family so they could attend. Mahala is concerned that the family won't be able to go because it's short notice, and now it's going to be a destination wedding. Brian says that the lack of organization and planning makes it so that they're not going to be able to attend. They want to be able to attend, but they're also concerned. Mahala also wants to bring up that Jabri seems stressed and he doesn't seem like himself and he doesn't seem okay. Brian backs her up and says he doesn't seem happy. Jabri feels like the walls are closing in and he feels like no matter what he does, he's letting someone down. Mahala says that they don't feel comfortable having a conversation with him at home with Miona, which is why they took him out to coffee. Mahala also senses Miona is controlling because the last time they tried to have a conversation, Miona was obsessively calling and texting him. Jabri admits that they could have waited for the visa, 
Uh, but, you know, they could have waited if it weren't for the visa. Jabri is feeling conflicted. Later, Jabri has a talk with Miona. He thinks after the conversation with his parents that he needs to put everything on the table. He tells her that things are not okay and he's feeling a lot of stress and pressure. Miona says Jabri has been acting strange and distant since Chicago. She's trying to be understanding, but she's getting kind of nervous. Miona says she doesn't feel supported by his parents, and she thinks that Mahalo doesn't like her and has made it pretty clear through her comments about her clothing and cooking. Miona thinks it's none of their business to share their opinion about their relationship. Miona says that Mahalo's attitude, uh, she owes no one a chance. Jabri says that his parents don't even want to come to the wedding, and Miona says that's fine. Jabri says he just wants to get married to the music, and Jabri says if Miona is going to be stubborn, he doesn't want to get married at all. Jabri asks if she would consider postponing the wedding and continue to just date, and Miona thinks that that sounds childish and she would leave his ass. Jabri says that if they, if they break up, he has no interest in dating anyone. All right, so Jabri is kind of, in so many words, saying that this is his last chance at love. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that uh, it really is Miona or Bust? I hope not, because I hope everybody can do a little bit better than Miona, right? In terms of someone who actually appreciates you and, and seems to have your best interests at heart and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seems to care about your concerns because she doesn't seem yeah. to care about his concerns like at all. Like it's it just a re- reaction to, Oh, my parents even said they couldn't come to the wedding was I don't care. Yeah. Great. I don't give a well, shit. it's pretty clear that she doesn't like his parents and Miona has definitely also, uh, rationalized that to herself. Right. She's just like, Mahalo doesn't like me. So I don't even have to try and like her. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But it was like, I don't know. I just felt like the whole conversation between Jabri and Miona. Jabri's like, I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, you're a dummy. Stop being dumb. Just do what I want. You're dumb. Like your concerns are dumb. Like you're right. You had an idea. It's like that idea is terrible. It's dumb. Stop. Like because to be fair, it was a terrible dumb idea. Nobody – I mean I'm trying to think of it if I've ever seen that situation where somebody was engaged and they had a date and they backed off the date and they ended up getting married later. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to push back the wedding for a little while. It almost I, – I can't think of anybody I know that that doesn't end in actually the wedding's not, never going to happen and we broke up. I feel like I know of one, but I cannot think of who it is off the top of my head. But yeah, there's definitely been more situations where it's, you know, hasn't worked out so well it is hard to kind of put the genie back in the bottle uh once you've kind of gone down the path of we've set a date we're engaged but i think from miona's point of view and maybe she's just not expressing this as well i don't know maybe i'm giving her too much credit by even thinking this but it must be really frustrating to think that you've given up your life somewhere else and now this person's very clearly having doubts and their plan is basically like, okay, you have to go back home until we figure this out. We'll postpone because she can't stay if they don't get married. Oh, no. That's what makes it extra dumb. It's like yeah. even if they were – she didn't have to go back. It's like, no, you, you this downgrading, downshifting the relationship mm-hmm. is not a thing that, that works out. Um but yes, especially because this downshifting would mean she'd have to move back to Serbia. 
Yeah. Like they brought her here to get married and now he's like, oh, I have doubts. I don't know if I want to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you no, we're past the doubts. But I mean, it, it also has to do with her stupid insistence for this beach wedding. Right. Right. Which I think is still weird because it's like, were well, you guys going to come to the wedding? And it's like, I can't tell you that because I don't know where the hell the wedding's going to be. You just said a beach. You know how much beach there is in the country? Like, where yeah. are you? Where is? Where am I buying a plane ticket for? Because I need to buy the plane ticket now. Right? right. It's not even a matter of – and they didn't kind of say those things. They were kind of like, well, we just don't know instead of being like, where even is your wedding that you want me to come to? What are you right. even talking about? I mean, I think this situation would have been better if Debris just straight up hadn't promised her in the first place that they would have a beach wedding. He should yes. have said, quite honestly, that let me think about it because I'm sure I'm not thinking of all of the possible scenarios and implications that this might have, um, you know, and then he could come back because at the time – even though it makes sense for them to not have a beach wedding, Jabri would be such an ass if he came back and was like, nope, I'm going to go back on my word. We can't have the beach wedding. Sorry, I got my way like twice now. I got to go to Chicago and I, you know, am against the beach wedding. So we don't have to have that either. Yeah. Oh, no, it was. But and part of it was just his stupid move to offer her the beach wedding as an exchange yeah. for going to Chicago, which right. was just dumb. Like, I don't – it would have been like – I'm going to Chicago. Like, you can come with me. I'm going to Chicago. If you want to come, you're welcome to come. But I am going to Chicago and you cannot right. stop me from going to Chicago. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is the way it goes. But like, I don't know. It's just – he. It, it, it's tricky because he gets torn because he doesn't seem to know what he thinks at all about anything. And so whoever's talking to him, it's like, oh, you're making a lot of sense. <laughs> or at least putting doubts in his head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of feel bad for him because I feel like he's a little bit more honest with everyone else about his feeling, uh, yeah. feelings about this whole situation. But I can imagine that there's so many other people even on the show that feel the same way, that feel the same way, way when they're getting married. Forget that you're 90 Day Fiance or not, but feel like they're kind of trapped, like this train is on its way, you know, and you mm -hmm. can't stop the train now. And so they just they feel this pressure to get married because even though they have these doubts and these like nagging feelings like this isn't right, but they feel like, oh, but I would be letting down so many people if I don't go through with it. And so they go through with it out of guilt, obligation. Well, some of them go through with it out of just like. Well, I don't want to prove everybody else right that told me this is a mistake. I got to yeah. keep going. Like like spite almost. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's specifically his situation. No, but that's I not do, his. That's not his. Yeah. Cor I correct. do recognize yeah. that other people feel that way. You know, like, oh, people – oh, the haters or the people who had their doubts. I got I to gotta prove them wrong. We can make it to the, you know, wedding. And But then it's like to what end or to what point if you're just going to get divorced in a few years? Right. Right. Yeah. All right, so moving on, that takes us to – let's go with Kara and Guillermo. Well, just Kara this time. So Kara is meeting with her boldly mustachioed friend Tim for some drinks. And this is after the conversation she had with Guillermo at the winery. So he's sitting this one out because that's literally what they talked about, how he can sit things out. Um, so anyway, Tim and Kara start off with some shots and you know, they start unpacking the relationship. He wonders what they're doing with all their time since, you know, she's an unsuccessful real estate agent. She's like, I haven't sold a house yet. 
and he literally isn't allowed to work. So besides lots of sex, they're also talking to like immigration lawyers who give it six to nine months after they get married before Guillermo can legitimately work. Um, so of course he, he brings up, you know, the issue with the wedding. He was like, he was like, wedding? What about the wedding? I thought it was just going to be a courthouse thing. So anyway, the juicy bits come out when, uh, Tim starts kind of questioning if Guillermo is going to be able to, I don't know, stomach or, 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 you know, assimilate to the way that quote unquote, they live, which includes Kara. So basically he seems to be implying that he doesn't think Guillermo can or will want to keep up with any of them party-wise, I guess. So Caro's like, hey, he's Latino and he likes to have a good time and have like a drink. But he is a lot more conservative than her. But she knows that she's a lot to be with and claims she, you know, wants Guillermo to push back more and to give her more of a fight. And Tim is just like, no, you don't want that. That's just you trying to be nice, um, which is probably pretty accurate. So we kind of see some um, individual interviews with Tim where he's very, very doubtful that this thing is going uh, to pan out long term. So I guess my question is, especially after this one, how much does Kara drink? Uh, she seems like a party girl. Right. And uh, it is odd to me that Guillermo seems to be so anti because I also got the impression that she was a party girl, party girl in the DR too. So it's not like he hasn't seen the side of her. So I feel like he knows what he's getting into. Right, because he was like margarita guy, right? Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, he's the margarita guy. Um, also, I feel like whatever job she had in the DR, she was definitely more in vacation mode than she is now. Right, and I think that's the biggest difference. I think he thought DR Kara was vacation Kara, and he comes here and she's like, nope, still doing the same thing at the same frequencies, and now it's a bunch of you know, people I don't know in situations I don't know, and I'm the sober one. Like, yay. yeah, because I also think that I also think at the DR, there were probably other sober people. And I think at here in Virginia, there are not. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you probably wouldn't go out, right? What's that? You probably just wouldn't go out because, I mean, I think it's different if you're in the DR. It's like vacation, right? Just in general. Right. Like right. tourists. Yeah. Right. And not everybody's going to drink. Right. Well, I'm, I'm saying even it, it get, I get the impression that like Guillermo's not going to drink, but he's going to go somewhere where there's dancing, right? Yeah. And he, maybe he'll 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 have a lot of fun dancing. He doesn't have to get shit faced. She might be getting shit faced. There might be a few people getting shit faced, but he can do whatever, have conversations, do whatever with the people. But I think when he goes out with her friends, not only does he not know them, they just it's all they do is drink. Right. And he's just like. I'm there's nothing else for me to do because I don't want to get any more drunk than I am. And I'm just like sitting here while everybody is just <laughs> still knocking him back, you know? I just feel like they're a very odd match. Yes. Right. And that, that, that seems to be what Tim was on board for. Like she definitely has the party girl. We saw the mean girl side, um, mm -hmm. you know, popular girl in high school. And it, it just – he's just – too laid back for yeah. her. Yeah. Right? And laid back is usually a good thing, but that's a good thing for vacation mode. It's not a good thing for we're going to get this thing done. It just it, – it does seem to be that he just – they just have lifestyles that don't necessarily match. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I really, really see the love there either. They do. They are affectionate, but. Oh, no. And I do think I do think they are super horny for each other. Like they definitely are. They definitely have that physical attractive, uh, you know, connection going on. And I think that's pretty much carrying this whole thing through. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you for this particular couple. (laughs) All right. uh, Speaking of horny for one another, let's talk uh, Patrick and Thais. So Patrick and Thais are going shopping for the house since Patrick is trying to smooth things over with Thais. She says she wants more color in the house because she thinks their house feels like a hospital. Thais likes a blue couch and asks if they can change everything. And Patrick says no. He just wanted to take her out to get a sense of her style. After she starts picking out things, Patrick says she will have to just love what they have. So Thais asks why he even bought her there. Patrick doesn't want to spend money on things that they don't need. So Thais is getting frustrated that Patrick keeps saying no to everything. Thais points out that he told her he would buy her things to make her happy when she was coming over. Patrick says he had already bought her a phone, clothes, and the visa. The salesperson is then trying to mediate by saying to start off small, like with a couch cushion. Thais wants some color, and Patrick says he likes black, white, and gray. The salesperson thinks that they don't seem to know each other very well, and there seems to be some kind of disconnection. So they finally agree on a fluffy pillow, but it's $180. Patrick (sighs) thinks that that's too expensive, so he ultimately says no. So Thais picks out a green and blue vase that's $32, and Patrick reluctantly agrees. Thais is upset because she thinks Patrick is dismissing her feelings. Thais says that Patrick used to be so patient when they went shopping in Brazil, but this is not who he was back then and there. Thais thinks he's trying to control the relationship, and she expresses her disappointment and says that the decorations are important to her. Patrick says she can buy more after she has her own money. Thais says that's not what he told her before, and did he change his mind? Patrick tells her he's not used to taking care of someone and paying for everything. So he says that since he's making all the money, he should get a bigger say on how the money is spent. Thais says she doesn't know his money situation because he's never actually shared that information with her, and he just says that he makes enough. She asks him to show her because she's going to be his wife. She just glares at him. Patrick says he provides for her, so why does she care how why does she care how it happens? Patrick says he doesn't trust others with finances because of how he grew up. Thais just thinks that that's weird. Patrick says it's his money and she'll find out when she's his wife. Thais says he's very strange and she can't be his wife. Patrick asks if it's about a painting on the wall, and so then he throws a card and some cash at her and tells her to just get it. Thais looks at the money and just feels it's really disrespectful, walks into another room and slams the door. Thais thinks her dad was right and that Americans just want to buy their women. Patrick then leaves the room to watch TV. Thais then walks back into the room, says it's not about the money, but it's about sharing. And she doesn't want to be left in the dark about all this information. Patrick says he's used to making all the decisions by himself. So Thais says that she's there to support him and she wants to be included in his decisions. Patrick says yes in the future, but right now supporting her is just too difficult. Thais just asks him to be better. Patrick recognizes the situation isn't fair to her and he'll do his best to work on it, whatever that's supposed to mean. All right. So uh, are you 
Team Patrick or Team Tice and recognizing that, you know, even though they might have their reasons for how they've reacted to things, they're not doing the best at communicating those things to each other. They're not. And I'm on I'm I'm on Team Tice this week mm-hmm. um, just because she's right about most of everything. Again, sure. not does not communicate it the best way possible. Right. But like it isn't about the decorations. Like it right. starts at the decorations, right? But the actual root of why they're fighting is not about the decorations. It's about control and it's about trust and it's about – um, yeah, and like she said, sharing more for lack of a better term. But like, yeah. yes, it's like when he refuses to tell you how much money he makes and you're getting married, that's like, you don't trust me. That's what you're telling me right now is you don't trust me. Yeah, yeah. And I I agree that it really is about, you know, Patrick making all these decisions without her, right? Yes. She didn't have any say on the move to Dallas. She didn't have any say into the house that they picked. She didn't have any say into the fact that John is – their roommate and she just has to accept it and i i don't like how he took her to the furniture store and then was kind of like well in the end you just have to accept what we have yeah yeah like that was weird that was a weird like tease thing and it was just i mean i think the furniture store was just more expensive than he thought it was gonna be right sure. like off the bat like and especially for the i just didn't also didn't get the like the decor stuff it's like okay and it's it's also a little bit about that. Like, take the girl to Target or Hobby Lobby or something, man. Let her put oh, some up. Hobby Lobby is so cheap, and they have <laughs> so much home decor. Yeah, if you want to go someplace, yeah, go there. But I don't even know. Thais also seems a little bougie to me, and I don't know. Yeah, but if she, she doesn't know that. <laughs> she can't. She she doesn't know you know English. She wouldn't know Hobby Lobby. She doesn't know what that means. Right, but I think she would know like price tags and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and and then, but then you could, then you can say the, I'm just trying to get a feel for your thing. I kind of want to see how stuff works. And, you know, if we get, then we can spend more money as we're like getting things, figure out what we want. I want to buy something huge and then figure it, but you can, you can work it like that. But the other thing he did was he did that annoying guy thing where he's like, I don't give a shit about this. So it's not important. So we're not going to spend money on it. It's just worthless. It's pointless. It doesn't even have use. Yeah. Right, which doesn't help. It's minimizing the things that she cares about, too. Right, right. And she said, like, I just feel like you're dismissing my feelings. Like, you don't care how I feel about these things. I care about the decor, and I know that you don't, but that doesn't mean that it's not important to her. And so, to me, it's like, well, that thing will make her happy. And, like, yeah, the vase, like, it was a little win, but it was his attitude that I think it went down the way that it went down. Yeah, it was. Like the store, I did like the store guy, like condescendingly being like, "Oh, okay, so just the vase then." Like, yeah, you spent you spent all day in my store filming and looking at furniture, but gonna buy a thirty dollars vase. Thanks, guys. <laughs> really appreciate that. Right. Right. <laughs> Literally the cheapest thing in my store. Great. Yeah, but I appreciate that he, you know, because they were kind of a stalemate before he intervened and was like, why don't you start off small? Get a couch cushion. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it, it it is a lot and it just it is more about it. And you have those fights all the time, right? It's like he just refused to acknowledge that the fight was about anything 
other than the small thing that it ostensibly was about. This is about a painting. You're doing all this over a painting. It was like, no, yeah. you're not paying attention to what she's saying. It's not about a painting. Right. Yeah, definitely. Oh, these two. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. And this was, this, this is even without John intervening because John, I if you know, want to serve a shit. In today's or this week's episode, but I mean, I just, as much as they are doing better than most couples that we've seen that don't know each other's language, I think even with Patrick knowing whatever Portuguese he knows, he's still not very good at communicating his feelings very well. And what I did appreciate that Thais did in this episode, even though, you know, she's not typically my favorite person, um, is that she let things go pretty easily, you mm-hmm. know, especially towards the end. She was just like, okay, just do better. You know, and I was just like, wow, she let him off real easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, moving on. Last couple, Ari and Biniam. So Biniam's first fight is coming up and he needs to focus, which he can't really do right now because of the embarrassing freak out Ari had after seeing him sparring with a woman. So he sits down with her to hash it out. She tells us and him that, you know, she could have handled it better, but he was wrong not to tell her about his new female rolling partner, which is what she calls it. You were rolling with her. They were just rolling on the ground. So he says that even if he did tell her, it would just make her mad. But that's when she's like, you can't just not tell me things because you think it's going to make me mad. So, in fact, the things that you think are going to make me mad are probably the things you need to tell me the most. So, um, then we get flashbacks to all the other times uh, that Benny didn't tell her things that she wanted to know because he was afraid they were going to make her mad. Like, especially when she was back in the States and he was um, still in Ethiopia. So... um, He just wants her to not be angry so he can focus on this fight, though. So she also kind of says the more he focuses on the fight, the more, you know, he's not focusing on her. He's not focusing on his child. And the more she has to do it, which is just exhausting. So she's mostly hurt that she's, you know, that he is trying to spend all this time focused on the fight and not on her. So then the next time we see them, it's time for this fight. So he's getting ready to go. Benny is like definitely already ready to go. He has his shorts on. He has an Ethiopian flag. And he's just like laying in the hotel bed waiting for her to put her – to get herself together. So she like sits down and tries to make things worse by saying like, I got a bad feeling about this. Um, and dad didn't want to come – her dad didn't want to come watch the fight. And she keeps like neurotically telling him. It's like, it's okay if you don't want to do this. It's okay. What if I asked you not to fight and things like that? So – Definitely not improving the situation. So she's just super worried about the whole thing. But he says, no way, nothing. He's not turning back. So they get to the um, location and Mr. Chris is there at the stage door. He's hoping that, you know, if Penny wins, Ari will just be less worried about this whole thing in the future. But he also now acknowledges that Benny does, that there's nothing. This is like different than he's ever done before. So he does, he's not quite sure how it's going to go. So Janice is there and they take Ari to the seats and they leave Benny to prepare. At the seats, Ari is still super nervous, especially after watching the fight before his. And she's like, this is a lot more violent than I thought it was. (laughs) So um, then anyway, he comes out, the fight starts and he just comes in with like a flying jump kick, which we sell like five times. So it's a rough and tumble affair. Both fighters got in a few good shots, but 
Not for very long because Benny gets the other guy in a chokehold and he taps out in like 33 seconds. So he's super pumped. He does a flip off the sidewall. And Ari was surprised how quickly it all went and how much she didn't like watching that at all. (laughs) So now that that's out of the way, she thinks maybe he can focus on her and Avi. Uh, So, I don't know. I think she's kind of daydreaming. He's like, winning this fight in 33 seconds, do you think it's going to make him, you know, not focus on this MMA dream? Right. He's like, oh, I'm done. Uh, Now I can go back to being a family man. It's like, no, that's like your appetizer, right? You're just getting a taste of what this is all about. And you're going to be super stoked and super high on the fact that you just won. You're going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna go. You're gonna beat somebody in 33 seconds, and then be like, "That's good. I've proven to myself I can do this, and I'm all finished." You're gonna be like, "Yeah, where's the next guy? Let's do it again. Right, that was awesome." Right. Yeah, uh, I think that as much as it would have sucked if he had taken more of a beating, then he might have rethought, you know, his place in the MMA world and been like, "Okay, I don't know if I want to get beat up this badly and like feel this." crappy like after a fight and so maybe this isn't what i want to do but that didn't happen you know and i think as much as she said she didn't like to see it she lucked out like he really did not take a beating no he did not no like he's not i I, after watching that because it was 33 seconds we saw the whole fight right it's not like he showed us highlights like we saw everything and like he got hit got hit maybe two or three times yeah on glancing blows like he's not even gonna need to recover from that barely right right so i don't know i just it 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 just it it it, he's so hard for her because he just can't keep his mind in two places at once like he cannot think about two things at the same time i think that's very typical people though and that can be a very frustrating um partner to have to deal with yes well i guess Okay, I guess everybody, most people, when they're focusing on one thing, they're mm-hmm. focusing on one thing. But he can't switch back and forth. That's right. the bigger issue. He can't, yeah. when he leaves the gym, be like, great, I'm in dad mode. Like, he's still in gym mode and he's still yeah. in fighter mode. And he just – and that seems to be what is driving her the most crazy because he because she's not wrong. The less he focuses on that kind of stuff, the more she has to. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of crappy, especially if you're being a partner like – having to take care of someone else. Right. Right. Yeah. And especially when they're just like it, it, yes, the way his attitude towards it is going to be increasingly frustrating cuz he's like but this is my dream. This is what I've wanted to do. Like and it's just always like well wow, I'm doing a lot of work. And he's like yeah, but this is my dream. And it's like okay, well that's still more for me and you're asking me you're you're burdening me with your dream. You're not like, you know, in just keeping repeating it was my it's my dream doesn't yeah. make it less work for her. It doesn't make it easier for her. It's just like an excuse to her. And the more she hears it, the more it's just going to sound like an excuse. Well, also that seems really selfish, right? Because if you're in right. a partnership, it's like you should be supporting each other's dreams. And your dream has nothing to do with the partnership or the family. And so it does seem super selfish. You want to put all this focus on something that just you want, that it doesn't benefit the family. No, it, it is literally just for you because yeah. we looked at – I was like, you looked it up last time. How much money has he made doing uh, MMA yeah. fighting? How much How much money did he make at that fight? Zero. 
absolutely nothing. And so and it and even still, it's one of those things where if his dream were to somehow yield money, I feel like that's a secondary goal. Right. That's yes. not his yes. first goal. And so it just seems weird to me that like, you know, he he expects everyone to just be OK supporting his dream just because when it takes away from things that the family actually needs. Yeah, it takes it takes money. It takes time. It mm-hmm. takes him away from them. Yeah, you're right. And for all this, what's what's Ari's dream? Like she, we, have, we haven't heard that mentioned at all. It's just like, but this is my dream. So we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you're right. It, it 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 does. It is pretty selfish. Yeah. All right. So we actually didn't see even Muhammad this week. Uh, so out of the group that we saw, who was your student of the week? Uh, I went with Kobe just okay. for playing along at Rock City. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I guess what a partner should do: play along sometimes. Yeah. That, that's that's worth it. I think that's also a good model of how Emily should behave because yes. you know Emily would not do the same. No, she'd be like, this is dumb. Why are yeah. we here? This is dumb. Everything yeah. that we've seen of her indicates she would not. Uh, okay, so my student of the week was actually Thais. And this is because I've given her a pretty hard time the last couple weeks. And I actually really appreciated how she dealt with Patrick and communicated with Patrick and... You know, I felt for her this week. I felt bad mm-hmm. that she's in the situation she's in. And and granted, it's not because Patrick is this total villain, but it's just a difficult situation for both of them to be in. And I thought she was handling it just far better. So, yeah, I, you tie into that. My class dunce was Patrick. Mm-hmm. Like, and really, literally just if you throw money at somebody. Yeah, yeah. that's incredibly disrespectful oh so rude i cannot believe that that's like something you do like uh you see it all the time like people get offended because it's like oh you think i'm like a hooker great thanks yeah right it is oh all you want is money right here like it it, it, yeah there there's very very few moves that are more disrespectful to your partner than literally throwing money at them yeah as a derisively throwing money at them right right uh so my dunce actually was emily I mean, Mm -hmm. come on, you're going to buy a ring for yourself. I mean, it definitely ranks pretty high on the crazy scale, especially when she's still pressuring him hardcore to buy a ring for her, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And it just that tells me a lot about her relationship with her parents and her mother. Yeah. Because like she did that right in front of her mom. I can't imagine. I would be like, I thought money was tight, Emily. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And Weird. now you guys are going to buy two rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably would make it like, oh, well, this will be my anniversary ring or something. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? So my life lesson is at Bilal. Like, don't it, – it's incredibly wrong and like rude and like terrible to break bad news to someone who can't leave and is literally uh, trapped somewhere yes. with you. Like – Right, right. Like it, it, it's similar to doing it in the car. Yeah, and we've had situations like that. And you're yeah. like, no, like you have to. You know, they're going to react badly. You have to give them the opportunity to be like, I need a minute. I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so my life lesson um, is inspired by Thais this week. It's just sometimes you have to let things go and. You know, not make things a fight. And she definitely did that this week because she knew that this they were going to be at a stalemate, that they weren't Mm -hmm. going to agree on whatever it is. So she simply was like, all right, well, 
this is how I feel about it. Be better and like let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sometimes, yeah, you just, <laughs> I say be the bigger person, but yeah, just be like, this is, this is what I want. We have to recognize when the situation isn't going to change. Right. Yeah. Sure. All right. Oh. So uh, we will be back with the same group uh, next week and we may possibly have another Tuesday depending on the timing of things. Yeah. Yeah. This is a uh, travel time. So, you know, how yes, it is. I'm out of town. So we'll we'll try to get it done on Monday, but no promises. Yep. All right. All so right. Everybody Until then. then. Okay. Okay. Bye. bye.